I'm Greg Weimer with Confluence Financial Partners, and I'm here with Bill Winkler. And Bill, as some of you may remember, serves as uh, the head of our Investment Advisory Committee. And we really wanted to do this relatively short video just to give everybody an update on what's going on in the markets. We absolutely understand that these are um, uncomfortable times. I mean, I, I, I've been in the business actually 36 years. This is the 20th year where I've been in the business where we've had more than a 10% correction. So uh, 20 out of 36. And I guess that's one way of saying the corrections, certainly not unusual, but every one of those corrections feels incredibly uncomfortable. So none of them felt comfortable. They're all for different reasons. So we thought what we'd do today is give you some of the reasons for the volatility in the market today and, um, and what, what, what is causing the market to fluctuate. And really, I guess we'll just start with what are some of the challenges? So, you know, there's been a lot of volatility and fluctuation in the markets. But what are some of the reasons there's been such uh, fluctuation? Yeah, probably the single biggest reason is the story around inflation. And it's something we haven't dealt with in a long time. You know, most of the market participants are trying to get a handle on what the path forward looks like. The Federal Reserve has obviously been going down the path of trying to address it. And, and the backdrop there is we have 40-year highs in inflation, and it's very widespread. Not only was it you know, consumer goods, automobiles, semiconductors, and the like that, were, that have been delayed by supply chain issues for some period of time, it's spread now into service-related items, and, and wages are running um, very high right now. Yeah, and so when you think about that, that's a huge transition, right? So I think it's really important that people hear that. It's a big transition. Some of the original concerns with inflation were, in fact, temporary. Mm -hmm. Now, in fact, what, what, what the market's worried about is some of the inflationary pr pr uh, pressures are a little more, are they called sticky or permanent? Sticky, yeah. So we, we had a pretty good picture heading into this year, the more cyclical items or temporary items of inflation were really starting to soften. And then to Greg's point, the longer term sticky items, housing related, wage, wage related, excuse me, that really started to turn upwards. And that's what's concerned, um, concerning to the Federal Reserve. That's why they're going down the path of um, hiking rates at the fastest rate since the early 90s. And uh, that's a big reason why we've had a lot of volatility the last six to seven weeks. Supply chain issues. When you, when you think about China, whether it's the COVID, you know, challenges with COVID with China or Russia, Ukraine. Just want to talk a little bit about that's added, how that's added to the supply chain issues and how that affects inflation. Yeah. So firstly, with Russia and Ukraine, that uh, had a very profound effect on commodities, specifically energy prices. So, you know, gas in the United States is as high as it's been in a very long time. That's come at a time where that's really extended the, the growth rate of inflation that considers energy prices. On top of that, you have China continuing to pursue a, a zero COVID policy. And the reason that's so impactful is uh, there's effectively no activity in major cities like Shanghai right now. And uh, the backdrop there is the, the port of Shanghai is the single largest port by export volume in the world. So to say that again, the port of Shanghai, which is the largest source of exports uh, for any port in the world, is effectively uh, shut down right now. So you have high inflation. The Fed then responds by increasing interest rates, right? Mm -hmm. And so you have interest rates going up. Unfortunately, interest rates going up has a negative effect, which I think has surprised some people on bonds, right? Mm -hmm. I mean, do you want to talk about like the composite bond? What is it down this year? 
Yeah, so as of uh, end of last week, the, the composite index, the Barclays Aggregate Bond Index, so that's the most referenced and broadest bond index out there, uh, was down about 10.5% for 2022, so from January 1st through last Friday. On a quarterly basis, the first quarter through March 31st was this, one of the worst quarters ever in history, and uh, this drawdown so far will probably come close to the record uh, in terms of the drawdown. So pretty unusual. We've wiped out about two to three years of returns for, for bond investors, and that's something that uh, all investors haven't really had to deal with in probably 40 years. So people are rightfully concerned about the price of things going up, inflation. You have increasing interest rates, which have, has affected both stocks and bonds at this, at this point. The, the elephant in the room and the thing that I think is the hardest to quantify, because we really haven't been through it before, do you want to talk about quantitative tightening and what that is? Yeah, it's a, it's a new term. So we've all heard of quantitative easing or QE. That was a quite the buzzword from pretty much 2009 onwards. And quantitative tightening is actually effectively the opposite of that. Uh, the Federal Reserve, via their balance sheet or ownership of securities that they have, which is mostly government bonds, uh, they're effectively allowing those bonds to mature and they're, they are not reinvesting the bonds back into the market. So they're taking away a big source of demand for bonds. And that's, uh, in essence, one reason why interest rates are starting to move upwards and it's putting some pressure on areas like mortgage-related securities, which is a big reason why the 30-year the mortgage has broke comfortably through 5% for the first time in a while. So we're dealing with a different set of considerations, not only the, uh, the increases of interest rates through the Fed funds rate, which is widely referenced, but also a shrinking of the balance sheet money being taken out of the system. So there's uncertainty. You want to talk a little bit about how that's affected, because it's probably in the gray area. Not totally bad, but not totally good. So not, not concerns or challenges, but not maybe not a bright spot. Do you want to talk a little bit about what that's caused in valuations in the stock market? Yeah, so on aggregate, if you look at something like the S&P 500, very broad representation, through the performance of tech and growth companies, it has gotten a little bit growthier and techier in nature. But if you look at that index, it traded about 21 times next year's earnings when to start the year back in January. So relative to history, that was you know modestly expensive. Um, and if you look through yesterday, it's down to about 17 times. So that is a pretty significant increase, especially relative to the last decade in terms of the movement of the valuation. So the 17 times cheap, it's a little bit of a gray area. It's cheaper than it has been, but regardless, some of the pockets of overvaluations, the SPACs and things like that have really, um, a lot of errors come out of that, which is which is a good thing longer term. Let's go to, let's go to bright spots, because there are some bright spots out there. Do you want to talk about, um, I know in a meeting last week in our investment advisory committee, we were discussing the health and the strength of the U.S. consumer. Do you want to just touch on that a little bit? Yeah, so the, the consumer is probably in the best shape it's been in 50 to 60 years on aggregate. If you look at a number of different measures, household net worth, so uh, the value of investments and the value of their homes, that's, that's very, very high right now. The amount of debt and leverage that consumers have is, is very low. Um, consumers have a lot of cash on hand. The, the pandemic plus government-related stimulus uh, and work from home uh, really has resulted in consumers being in a very strong point fiscally. Um, on the income side of things, the wage growth is very strong. Uh, it's running, the, the Federal Reserve's preferred measure of, of uh, wage growth is running fastest since the early 80s. So on the income statement, consumers are also doing well. The energy prices and the like, um, commodity-related uh, pressures, 
that certainly increased a bit, uh, but on aggregate, that's largely digestible. So all in all, consumers are, are in really good shape. Yeah, I hear a lot of people talking about a recession, and not to suggest, I mean, obviously very, very difficult to predict, but if you're out and about, if you're at the mall, it's, it, at least currently, it certainly doesn't feel like um, it doesn't feel like a recession, and it certainly feels like the consumer is strong. How about how about uh, profitability of companies? Profitability of companies. So companies are still making money despite a lot of the negative headlines, despite a lot of pressure on individual um, companies following earnings, uh, mostly tech companies and growth companies. Uh, the S and P five hundred companies made about seven percent year over year in the first quarter. So still making money. That rate of growth is slowed, uh, but they're still making money. They're facing a lot of the pressures. A lot of other parts of the economy are facing finding people to work. Uh, you, and, you, you touch on that because I know we were talking about this last week. Yeah. How many job openings there are versus the amount of applicants or potential applicants? Yeah, so there's a ratio of about two applicants per job opening right now, and that's. Um, the highest it's been since post-World War II. Part of the issue why wages are running high, part of the issue why there's some pockets of inflation is the labor market still is not completely recovered from the pandemic, and uh, that's one of the challenges the Federal Reserve's facing. Again, it's always different this time. Mm -hmm. But it is also interesting to note there is there is some precedent in history when you look at a presidential, or I mean, I'm sorry, when you look at a midterm election year. So we're in the midterm elections, right? And, and do you want to talk a little bit about how, you know, how the market typically behaves? That is not to suggest it's going to happen this time, but what has happened in the past in a midterm election? So, yeah, generally in midterms, they tend to be favorable parts of the cycle. And if you look at um, composition of Congress and the, and the presidency, certainly markets tend to like divided um, Congress and the, president, the presidency to, to, be, to be divided a little bit in that. Um, obviously, in the midpoint of the presidential uh, election cycle will, will be a component of, of the midterm elections. Yeah, it's amazing how they do, how the markets have done historically the first half versus the second yeah. half of, of, the, of the midterm election. So looking forward, and clearly there are some challenges. There's a lot of money in cash, $21 trillion in M2, right? There's the consumer strong, companies are strong, inflation's high. You know, there's, there's supply chain issues, some of the inflation's sticky. So there's a lot certainly going on in the world. Let's just talk about a little bit way forward because we don't know, only want this to be data-driven. We want this to be informative and hopefully give some ideas of some things to think about. So what are some of the opportunities and things that you would touch on? Yeah, there's a, the, really the blocking and tackling that really pays dividends in this time period at times like this. Tax loss harvesting, uh, that's a, that's a no-brainer. There's been some significant pockets of, you know, say growth stocks down 20% year to date, the NASDAQ down 20% year to date, even your bonds. You, know, you haven't talked about tax loss harvesting bonds in a very long time. That's that's no brainers creating tax assets that way. Portfolio rebalancing, uh, same idea when you have large uh, periods of volatility, uh, you can you know buy low and sell high through rebalancing. So there's some opportunities there. And then uh, ultimately you have really wide moves like this. There starts to become pockets of opportunity. There's some interesting structures out there where you can get some equity like upside and still keep some guarantees that are starting to look pretty interesting. Yeah, so thinking, I mean, with $21 trillion in cash, I mean, there are some different structures out there. I don't want to get product specific on a, on a video like this, but there are some guarantees you can get, not an annuity. I'm talking about an investment that has a, some guarantees with some participation in the market. Couldn't agree with you more tax loss harvesting. We are busy at work. 
because there there has been you know there's been there's some opportunity bonds and who knows with rates going up there could be an opportunity to purchase some bonds which yeah. we haven't seen in an awful long time so there could be some opportunity in bonds we could do some tax loss harvesting i would encourage everybody to go back and look at your financial plan and see how it's holding up to this type of fluctuation so you know a lot of people out there are hearing about i bonds maybe it's, you can't certainly invest a lot of money but there's a little there's some of your money you can put in i bonds there's an opportunity there and then, you know, I mean, again, I mentioned up front that I've been through 20 of the 36 years. In our business, if you're overly optimistic, you tend to get hurt. If you're, tend to, if you're overly pessimistic, you tend to get hurt. But let's be realistic. And the realistic aspect of what we do is we know this will turn around. But we do need to be fair that we don't know when it will turn around. Long term, clients will be fine. Um, as long as you're in quality investments with a solid plan, you'll be fine. So, so just to summarize, there are some challenging times. Inflation is real, um, and the supply chain's real, um, and there certainly has been a lot of volatility. So there are some challenging times, but there are some bright spots. The consumer's strong, companies are making money, there's a lot of money in cash. Please understand there's things you can do. You should be looking at tax loss harvesting you should be looking at alternative investments other than cash, if you're not going to use it in the short run. Um, you certainly should be going to look at your financial plan and remember to keep the appropriate time frame. We are well aware these are uncomfortable times, but I think of in terms of being on a roller coaster, and sometimes a roller coaster can be uncomfortable also, but I think we've learned over the years since our childhood you certainly wouldn't jump off of a roller coaster or you'll be hurt. If you stay on to the end, everything will be okay. And I don't know if the volatility ends tomorrow in a month or in six months, but we do know that these periods of times, and I've had 20 of them, they do come and go. And at the end of the day, as long as you own quality, stick with your plan and use a great financial advisor, everything's going to be okay. So, if you'd like a second opinion, please give us a call. We would be happy to help. These are bumpy times. We know they're uncomfortable. And we want you to hear loud and clear. We're here to help you navigate through these times.